Now on Radio Italia Uno, it's time to change the world with Matt McQuinley. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And the glow from that fire can truly light the world. We focus on changing the world for the better by taking personal responsibility, canceling cancel culture, discussing and listening to each other on topics like leadership, cultural trends, business, history, and more. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Right now on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Hello and welcome to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. This is our sixth installment of our series on leadership. We are here in the studio with Gwen Meyer, and Gwen and I are doing this series because we both feel that there is a current deficiency in positive, inspirational leadership in the world, and we hoped in some small way to reach out and reignite that fire in others so that it spreads around the world. Gwen is the director and owner of Incremental Steps. She's an improved and certified YB12 performance coach. YB12, of course, stands for your best 12 months and has also trained in the latest evidence-based neurochange research by the Neurochange Institute associated with educational institutions like Harvard and multiple other high-quality universities. She helps corporate leaders develop their teams, embrace change and increase engagement and performance in all aspects of life and helps them work in the quickest and most impactful way. Welcome back, Gwen. Lovely to be with you, Matt. Before we begin, we want to recap some of the key ideas and concepts from the last five sessions. First thing we want to talk about is in session one, we discussed as a leader that we need to check our ego. We discussed that a leader has to be an amateur psychologist, that they need to have a sincere interest in others, that to be a leader, you can't be a buddy. And you need to do what's asked of your team. We talked about protecting yourself and your own attitude as a leader and being a role model. In the second session, we discussed in leadership the importance of clear communication to your staff, keeping it simple, thinking big, always having their backs. In the next session, we discussed choosing the right people, keeping your cool, or as we called it, being a duck, keeping it simple, making people feel important, leading even when it's easier to do it yourself, and not just saying what people want to hear. We also discussed that the key to make sure that your team understands all of the objectives. In the fourth session, we discussed how to criticize and correct others the right way. We talked about as leaders that we need to create an environment where obstacles fire up our team rather than demotivate them. We also discussed as leaders that we're always on stage and that leaders sometimes have to take risks and lay it on the line. And in the fifth session, we discussed that leaders have to be brave enough to change direction. Leaders have to play the long game and they have to be able to turn negatives into positives. And when dealing with people, they focus on finding the gold, not looking for dirt. Today, our first topic that we're going to discuss is we're going to discuss how to manage conflicts between staff. And I think the days of the boss that says, I don't want to hear about it. You two work it out are over. I think as a leader, you need to be able to sit down and mediate or referee, for lack of a better term, hear both sides, push both of the people to a compromise, and then throw all your weight behind the compromise. Unless, of course, it has to do with issues of integrity or harassment or something like that. So, Gwen, I'd like to hear about your feedback on how you think 
this works as what I would call reconciler in chief when you're dealing with staff and they've got issues between each other. Yeah, it's really interesting, Matt, because this idea of conflict is often avoided in organizations and people find it really difficult. But conflict can be really good because it can really engender and create better bonding because conflict comes often through a number of reasons, a number of factors. It can be incorrect or wrong expectations. It can be misinterpretation. It can be lack of understanding of agreements. It can be pure frustration. It can be misunderstanding. And usually it's about unclear communication. It's about an inability to really get to the depth of the problem, to understand where each party is coming from, and then to be able to determine what is going to be a situation that is beneficial for both parties. So, you know, the way we deal with it is important. It's not so much that we need to avoid conflict because conflict will always be there because we're human and we have different personalities and different ways of thinking. But how do we manage it? So we need to come up with a solution that's good for everyone. And that may mean that we have to put our egos away. And the worst thing is to let it continue, which is usually when the leader gets called in, where they need to mediate is where it builds up to a crescendo, where somebody explodes <laughs> and it's not dealt with before it gets to, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back. So I can say a lot on this, but I'll go back to you first and then we can see if we can have a discussion on this. Well, we're, we're, I'm sure the listeners are happy to listen to you, so you, you can keep going. But a couple things that just popped into my mind were the first point you made about conflict being a positive in some aspects. And that's true. I mean, I, I've read books about relationships, you know, trying to be a better husband. And it always talks about how conflict actually brings you closer. You kind of need to have those little spats with your partner. And of course, if you're a male, you need to understand that you're always going to lose. Um, but <laughs> sorry, I couldn't help myself. But I think that's true. And then the other thing is that just something else you can say that you've went through with your, that teammate. You know, hey, we had this and we got over it. You know, this relationship stronger now because of it. But also, in addition, I do want to talk about how most leaders and most people want to ignore conflict thinking it's going to go away. And it will never go away. All it will do is it will get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and get more difficult to handle. Yeah. So I think that the key is to not be afraid of conflict. Deal with it as quickly and, and as efficiently as possible and then move on. But if you just think it's going to go away, I'm sure there's, some, there's a bridge in Brooklyn that I could sell you as well if you want to contact me via yes. our Facebook page after Absolutely. the radio show. Um, Matt, it, conflict is an opportunity to clarify. And it's, the best thing is to go where the pain is. Not be afraid. Just put it out there. You know, say, hey, Matt, tell me your frustrations. I get it. Can you give me some more details? I need to understand where you're coming from and to understand why this is important to you. So it's about having those honest conversations. How can we work together? How can we make, how can we meet your needs or each other's needs? Let's resolve it is healthy to clean out a wound. And that's the difference, actually, between good and great leaders, is the great leaders are not afraid to go to that level. Mm. And it 
opens up and can be very cathartic and can recreate because what it allows you to do is to really get to the depth of what is the need and then how can we best meet that need. And then it can restore a relationship and make it much stronger. But the reason, of course, people are afraid to go that far is often because of fear. Fear of what it will do to the relationship, fear of where it will lead. And so in order to resolve and to get to a a position that is equitable for all parties, you need to have the courage Mm. to actually have the difficult conversation. Mm. Well, just as a practical point of view, for the people that you know, may have some experience or not a lot or maybe even a lot. How, how would you do it? Would you, if you've got an issue between two people, are you going to sit them down together and discuss it with them? Are you going to talk to them one at a time separately? What would be your preferred method in your opinion? Well, it would be dependent on the situation. Mm. And sometimes it would be, you know, if you're going to be the mediator, Mm -hmm. you need to first understand what the position of both parties is. Mm -hmm. Because it may be just a relationship issue, but it also may be something bigger. It may be compliance issue. It may be workplace, mediation, maybe arbitration. It all depends. So it's about having a separate conversation, but then being able to facilitate Mm -hmm. that conversation between the two parties and actually bring up and allow them to have their say. Mm -hmm. And, you know, short of going into the actual, the detail, there's a way, and most mediators that do this are specially skilled at it. Mm. So, you know, these skills are not always natural skills Mm -hmm. and they can be developed and and really great leaders will learn those skills. Mm. But sometimes it's worthwhile also bringing in a a skilled mediator to do this in real disputes Mm. where there is no resolution. What would you just say is a real dispute? Well, when you can't get to a a consensus Mm. and an agreement on something Mm. where both parties accept Mm. the, the position. I would yeah. say unless it's this is this is my fee, my opinion and yeah. you can you know tell me if you think it's off base or on base or or whatever. I, I mean assuming this isn't some big ethical issue, mm. okay? Mm. Assuming that it's not, you know, something yeah, something like that. Uh, what I always tried to do is I talk to the I mean and this is the and and one of the reasons why leaders don't want to do this is it's a lot of work. Okay, but, you know, it's a lot less work to fix the problem you have with your staff than let them create problems every day between each other and have to replace one or both of them and retrain them. So, I mean, if you don't want to do it because you don't care, well, here's the selfish reason to do it, okay, as a leader, okay? It's easier for you in the long run, okay? So I always try to sell and tell, okay? So first thing I would do is I I would talk to each of them individually, Mm -hmm. Then I would talk to them together. Yes. So that way they can say everything and use every swear word or whatever they want to do with me one-on-one, you know. and Because, of course, they're not going to act the same when the other person's in the room. And then you've got – and then you have the other person carry on. And then you bring them together and then, you know, say, this is what I understand of the situation – would you guys like to correct me on that? So-and-so says this. Don't, please don't interrupt me. Let me finish. I say that in the beginning. This is how we're going to run this meeting. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say what I think I understand. Then I want you guys to try to fill in what I might be missing. And then I think we should all come up with some kind of compromise. So that's how I do it. So and then I'll explain blah, 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 blah. And they start going, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, no, no, remember, 
we're, I'm going to finish my stuff, then you're going to correct me, remember? Okay. So, and keep control of it in a nice, respectful way. Yeah. So, really, our approaches there are similar. Okay. Yeah. So, what would you do so differently? or? No, no, no. Well, we already discussed that, you mm -hmm. know, if you're going to deal with something, then you need to first get both parties separately. Oh, okay. It, I didn't hear you say that. And then do it together. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All righty. Anything else on uh, resolving conflict? No, because, I mean, at the end of the day, what is it you're trying to achieve? It's a compromise, collaboration, and, you know, meeting both parties' needs so and that all, they and feel comfortable. Yeah, and also getting them to see each other's That's point of view, view absolutely. which is really key. I mean, I, I mean, I, usually they won't be as upset about the situation if they can stop and think and put themselves in the other person's shoes. So yeah. you want to be saying things like, well, Bob, if you were so-and-so, what would you think? You know, and sometimes they'll be obtuse and they'll say, well, I would, you know. Hopefully you can get somebody to go, well, okay, I guess I can see why they might feel that way. You know, it's not what I meant, but, you know. And then hopefully you can build bridges that way. Yeah, so it's about allowing each person a voice, an ability to say what's important to them, what they feel, because it's about feelings, which creates all the emotion. Mm -hmm. which is why we have to bring in the mediation in the first place and then to be able to see a, a, the perspective mm. from both sides yes. to to have that agreement. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to have to let our sponsors give their perspective on their products and we're going to take a quick break while we do that. Junior e Radioton. Vuoi sostenere anche tu la tua radio del cuore? È semplicissimo. Telefona durante tutto il mese di giugno in ufficio 8212-3177. Oppure in studio all'8212-3599 per donare con la vostra carta di credito. Puoi anche donare sul nostro sito internet www.italia1.com.au Altrimenti passa in radio per un caffè. Il Radioton si concluderà con una cena al Molfetta Club ricca di musica e intrattenimento. Costo 55 dollari a persona. Sabato 3 luglio dalle 18.30. Prenotatevi chiamando all'ufficio di Radio Italia 1 8212-3177. Oppure con Angela 0401 598 448 con Luciana 0421 333 123 con Fina 0418 812 839 sostenete la vostra radio del cuore Looking for a new coffee machine for your home or workplace? Look no further than Fine Choice Coffee Solutions, your experts in all things coffee. Why not come in for a chat and a special coffee tasting? You'll find us at 264 Gilbert Street in the city. Mention Radio Italia Uno and you'll receive a free 250-gram bag of freshly roasted coffee beans. You can also shop online at www.fccoffee.com.au where you'll find our large range of premium roasted coffee beans, coffee machines, accessories, hot chocolates, teas and lots, lots more. I'm Danielle from Fine Choice Coffee Solutions, your one-stop shop for all things caffeine. I'm Anna Faruja of Chapel Funerals. 
My role as a funeral director is to guide you through the emotional process of saying goodbye to someone you love. I'm here to help you make all the necessary arrangements so that you and your family may have peace of mind and time to remember and celebrate the life of the person you've lost. When the time comes, I'm here for you, so please call me. Anna Faruja at Chapel Funerals on 81825100. Hi, this is David Heath and I'm excited to be bringing my program Soundtrack of Your Life to Radio Italia Uno. Join me Friday nights at 7 for interesting guests, some great music and plenty of fun. It's the best way to kick off the weekend. Soundtrack of Your Life, Friday nights from 7 until 9 on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Ti piace la musica? Hai voglia di metterti in gioco? Entusiasmo e personalità non ti mancano? Radio Italia Uno sta cercando te. Chiama l'82 123177 e anche tu avrai la possibilità di entrare a far parte del nostro team. Radio Italia 1, diamo voce alla tua voce. Radio Italia 1 You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia 1, 87.6 FM. Hello, we're back in the studio with Gwen Meyer, NeuroChange Master Trainer, Life Coach, and performance coach, as well as leadership consultant. So many hats. You must have a very big hat rack at home that you wear. It comes from experience. Mm. Well, the last point that we made, we were talking a little bit about how to handle conflict between staff. And that kind of leads into our next point, which is a little bit about the leader should always speak last. There's a couple reasons for that. First reason is, If you don't, you can really get burned. I can't count the number of times I've made myself look stupid by not knowing the whole story and saying this is what has to happen. So I think it was Abraham Lincoln that said, it is better for one to keep their mouth shut, and I'm paraphrasing, and have others wonder if you're a fool than to open your mouth and have it confirmed. So that's one reason. The other reason is, you need to get all, it's the best way to get all the information so you can make the wisest decision. Third thing is, is after all these discussions, that's when your team is most prepared to be led in the right direction. So you can bring all of these concepts together. You can tie it up in a little bow, simplify it and say, okay, guys, this is the way we're going. So Gwen, I know that this is a topic that you talk about. You told me one time about in Africa, how that's how the chieftain always speaks last. If you would like to expand. Um, Matt, that's quite correct. And, And actually this comes from Nelson Mandela. And he was asked about what he considers to be one of the greatest traits of leadership. And Nelson Mandela is universally, universally across the world, recognized as a great leader. And he explained that when he was growing up and his father was actually the chief of his tribal village, he used to bring together the community and the local elders, and they would sit in a circle, and it's a tradition in the African culture to to sit in a circle when you're engaging and coming together, especially in the community, and always the chief speaks last. And he said he learned that skill from his father because you always allow 
everybody else in the team or the party to have their say because it allows you, first of all, the control. It gives you time to hear and to show everybody else or make them feel like they've been listened to, they've been heard. And then it gives you the ability to consolidate the information and then you can add your own opinion mm. or your own advice. And I think that's a really good way of looking at it. But you know that it's one of the hardest things to do. Mm. As a leader, always, most often, just think about those circumstances and those times when you've been with leaders. Usually it's the leader that's driving and is getting everyone together and has their opinion. And often it's the leader that dictates and it really is not an easy skill to learn to hold back your opinion and to let others speak first. So something to something that Simon Sinek, who everybody knows by now, is my favourite leadership mentor and author, and he says the same. So it is a really good skill to have. And the, the value of it is because in the past, you know, when we were growing up in this hunter-gatherer era, when we were in small communities, the alpha male was always the leader. When you're a leader, you always got given privileges. It was the alpha lion in the pack that got first attempt at the, the kill. So if you as a leader, where it's expected, people allow you, they, nest, they always think most people will grace you or expect you to have the privileges that a leader has. And that may mean that you eat first. It may mean that you get special attention and special treatment when you're out and about. If you can then allow your team, so what you're doing is foregoing those privileges and allowing others to go first and not taking up that mantle, then you're going to get more respect. So just an interesting concept. A couple things I'd like to add to that that you brought up is a couple reasons to wait to the end. To be honest, I, I've never had a problem waiting to the end rather than hearing because I want to hear what everybody says for a couple reasons. First of all, let's suppose the leader has already made up their mind, which they shouldn't, but let's just pretend they have. Well, tactically, it's best to know where everybody else stands before you give them your opinion because you'll know who is going to carry out your directives with enthusiasm by hearing their opinions and which ones are going to be dragging their feet and that you need to sell. You can't really get anybody to do anything unless you're standing over them with a stick if they don't want to do it, no. which isn't productive. So you need to figure out, okay, who do I need to get on this bandwagon? These guys are on great. This guy, whew, I got to do some selling here. That's one thing. The second thing is, who is remembered? If you have a big meeting, what's remembered from this meeting? When they walk away after this three-hour meeting or four-hour meeting or all-day meeting, what is remembered? What do they take away? They take away the last thing that the you say. The last thing that they say, okay? okay? Yes. So, and again, if you're the one, if you want to control the, and I, you, control sounds, you know, kind of manipulative, but if you, if your job is to lead, you need to speak last because that's what they're going to remember. They're not going to remember, or they might remember a little bit from the first thing, the stuff in the middle, they forgot about, you know, because they're thinking, oh, when's lunch? Oh, my butt's sore, all this stuff sitting in this meeting. And then at the end is what they are going to take away 
So that's the other reason why you need to speak last. And you talked about how the leaders have certain privileges. Again, I need to, I really feel that it's important. And we talked about this, I think, in the very first session, that a leader is a servant. They are not the master. They are the servant. If you want to be a leader, you serve others and help them get to where they want to go. Part of the job is figuring out where they want to go. Uh, and you help them get where they want to go. It's not to take it, you know, to stand on a pedestal and have accolades thrown up, thrown at you. So it's very important to not get caught up in all that because if you really think about the lead, the best leaders throughout history, they were people that walked the walk, talked the talk, didn't take advantage of all these uh, supposed benefits. Being a leader is not a benefit. It's a, it's a calling and it's a it's a responsibility. Yeah. I mean, you think about somebody like Gandhi. I mean, he could have been like certain leaders today of certain organizations, and I don't want to talk about them. They start this, become social warriors, and then they end up buying million-dollar homes. What did he do? He walked around in his loincloth all the time and skipped a lot of meals, okay? You know, same thing. So I, I think that's very important, but I think I'm talking too much. I want to kick it back over to you, Gwen. What else do you think is important when it comes to the idea of leaders speak last? Well, actually, just that last point you made was quite, helped me remember something else that might just add to that was, yes, leader, leadership is a choice and it is about serving others and empowering. And that's why people get so upset when, you know, about the salaries of, the big salaries of these organisations, some of the banks, because it's all about self-interest. It's about nobody... I would get upset if you gave Mother Teresa $50 million or Nelson Mandela or Gandhi because you know that it's part of, it's going to something bigger. But they get upset when you when they know that the salaries that some of these big bankers and organisations take home is all about self-interest and it's about their cars and their, their status, which is fine. When they then take that and become self-centred with it, that's when people get upset mm. because it is not the, the kind of leadership that we want to. It's the old-style leadership, mm -hmm. not the new, bold, conscious leadership, mm. which is all about empowering others mm. and, and helping and taking care of everybody and bringing them up. Mm. Okay. All right, well... We're, we're going to, you think we're done with that topic or should, and we can move on to something else? Or do you have anything else you want to? You know, it, it's also like something similar. Another way it's been explained is that leaders eat last. Mm. And that was another explanation that Simon Sinek had uh, in the military. And you'll know this. Yeah, that, absolutely. That that's actually, I wrote that down. I was yeah, going to say it. That but then. leaders actually, it's usually the, the footmen, the soldiers that get to eat first. Mm. And it's the, you know, the captain or whoever is the highest in command mm -hmm. that is left to eat last mm. because they want to take care of the mm. people that are going out to battle. Mm. Am I right? Well, the old joke is we retreated so far we ran into the generals. <laughs> okay. So, you know, and, you know, I was always taught that, you know, if the good leaders, you know, when they're in the field, they don't have the, the, the place with the heat. You know, if the guys don't have heat, yeah. you know, they don't have the hot meals if the guys don't have the hot meals. So you need to let your team know that you're willing to make the sacri same sacrifice as they are. Yes. Now, obviously, you do need to 
protect yourself and protect your paws so you can, you know, be in a position to make wise decisions. But if your guys are eating MREs and you're having a steak dinner with a $300 bottle of wine, no. No, okay, exactly. that's not the, that's no. not, that's not on, you know, I mean, so, uh, unless you're meeting with the president of a country or something, yeah. you know? Yeah, I, I agree completely with what you're saying there. Anything else that you'd like to add? No, I think, I think we've done that subject. Okay. I think it's really about the leader is wor- working alongside their, their team and not above, from mm. above the team. Yeah, they need to so feel... So they need to muck in mm. and be part of what's going on. Mm. Yeah. yeah, they need to feel that you're in there, in, in the, the trenches with them. In the trenches them. with them, mm. yeah. 100%, 100%. Okay, well, with that, we're going to take another break and hear from our sponsors. Yo, ciao, Armando Paradiso from Unique Stone. Delivering quality stone tops to South Australia for over 20 years. Granite, marble, Caesar stone, unique stone, granito, marmo, Caesar stone, unique stone. Thinking stone bench tops to your kitchen, bathroom, or furniture? Unique stone at Jacobson Crescent, Holden Hill. Call us now, 82 6-2-2-8-0. Unique stone. We won't be beaten. Come on, che stai facendo? Yo, chiama adesso. Lo sapevi che l'82% delle persone richiama più facilmente il nome di un'azienda vedendolo scritto su carta che in una pubblicità sui social media? Continua a valorizzare i metodi più tradizionali, toccare e tenere nelle proprie mani biglietti da visita, calendari promozionali, cataloghi. Maria Studio Printing è il tuo partner creativo di stampa e di marketing ideale. Si occupano di graphic design, sviluppo web, gestione di stampa, routing CNC e 3D carving, fotografia commerciale e riprese, offrendo consegne nello stesso giorno o entro tre giorni lavorativi. Maria Studio Printing può portare alla luce i tuoi progetti e crescere la tua impresa è facile. Per saperne di più, chiama l'8352-1268. Join me, Ron Fiedler and Karen Fiedler each Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. for Talking Real Estate, your guide to real estate in Adelaide and South Australia. We'll bring you the latest local real estate news, interviews, tips and advice from property experts, plus report on the Italian property market and let you know about the week's open homes and upcoming auctions. And don't forget, I'll be bringing you my open home of the week. On Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM, Talking Real Estate, every Saturday morning from 9 till 10 a.m. Be in the know with Adelaide's local real estate show. Radio Italia Uno, sito internet www.italiauno.com.au Seguici anche sulla nostra pagina Facebook e Instagram. Radio Italia 1 You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno 87.6 FM. Hello and welcome back to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. Before we dive in, I want to talk to you about our Radiothon. Radio Italia Uno 87.6 FM needs your help to continue to bring you quality programming and information to the Australian Italian community. You can donate by calling 8212 3599-8212-3599 and donate live on the air. For those of you that don't want to donate live on air, you could call the office at 8212-3177, 8212-3177. 
You can even drop by and see us face-to-face at the station located at 265 Sturt Street in the city. For those of you that are internet savvy, you can donate by visiting our website at www.italiauno.com.au. www.italiauno.com.au. Thank you again for your support. Gwen and I want to continue our discussion on leadership by first discussing the idea that a number watched is a number improved. This is something that I was told as an athlete back in the days of wooden ships and iron men when uh, before I got the body that I have now and I uh, you, <laughs> used to be athletic. So it's the same as sports. And I know we men always do that. It's just like sports. But, you know, it's just like sports. If you don't know where you're at, you don't know where you want to go. You don't know how to get there. You've got to figure out where you're at so you can figure out how to get to where you want to be. So it's the same thing in business. You need to make sure that you have very clear key performance indicators for your staff, whatever this business may be, whether it's a sales target or a percentage of people that call that are converted into appointments, if it's an appointment type of system, the percentage of people that buy, what the average order is, if it's a retail type business or an online business, but you need to have specific key performance indicators that are tracked so your staff knows what success is. I mean, they, if, you don't, if you don't track it, if there's no number associated with it, they don't know if they're doing a good job. They've got to know what's good and what's not good. And that's why we have numbers. So I know a lot of us that are leaders are more people type of people. We don't really like getting into the numbers, but we need to measure success and we need it to be quantifiable. So that way we can have clear communication with our staff and clear expectations. Gwen, what would you like to say about that? Well, this ties into the whole thing of having stretch goals. When we achieve something, in terms of the neuroscience and the biology, is we get a dopamine hit, which is what makes us feel good. So when we achieve something, any goal, we feel really good, and that's a reward. So even if you're intrinsically motivated or extrinsically motivated, having a KPI and a goal to work towards achieving will give us direction, but it will also allow the leaders and the organisation to to allocate reward. And some people are incentivized, you know, monetarily, others by reaching targets, and some are just intrinsically motivated. So it's absolutely essential in determining results and success. All righty. I think that's pretty clear because we don't want to get too deep in the weeds on KPIs because it's going to be different from business to business. But I can't stress enough that it needs to be clearly tracked. There needs to be a report that you can go over with your team on a weekly or fortnightly basis on whether or not they're hitting these targets that are expected of them. Next thing I want to talk about is the fact that As Shakespeare said, and I'm probably butchering this because it's been a long time since I read him, but this above all things to thine own self be true. It's very difficult to lead others if you don't really understand your own motivations, your own, I don't want to say prejudices, but the lens through which you're viewing the world, you know, so you're aware of that. So you're making sure it's not coloring any of your decision making and what you're trying to accomplish, what your, what your perspective is. So, um, 
Gwen, would you like to talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. And this, I think, Matt, is for me, the first rule of great leadership is absolutely imperative and essential that leader has self-awareness. A level of self-awareness that is important is absolutely critical for reaching our highest personal effectiveness and our highest potential. It's also critical in the way that we connect with others, in how we collaborate, in how we manage our emotions and our awareness of the emotions of others. So it's about being aware, as you said, Matt, about recognizing our own purpose, what motivates us, what our emotions are, that uh, what drives our own behaviors, what are our triggers and our charges, you know, what winds us up in interactions with others, what our strengths and our weaknesses are, what our likes and dislikes, what our dreams and our goals are. Because if I don't know me, then I don't know you. And for us to be empathetic to others, we have to know ourselves first. And it's very difficult. And there's a, it's, it's actually a paradox because if you don't know yourself and you're not confident, then you're not going to be able to uplift others. It's a paradox. So for us to be high performers, confident, and to have that power um, in order to uplift and to make a difference and to inspire, we absolutely need to be self-aware and we need to continue that journey of self-discovery and there's all sorts of evidence for this and just to start is the countless proven benefits of this are stronger relationships increased happiness more fulfillment higher performance and more effective leadership but also what's really interesting is that if I was to ask most people on a scale of 1 to 10, how self-aware they are, 95% of people would say that they are. But actually, only 10 to 15% are actually are. And this is according to Dr. Tasha Urich, who's a third-generation entrepreneur and organizational psychologist. And she has done a three-year research project, and she's written a book, and it's her, her book is called Insight. And she says that thinking about ourselves is not the same as knowing ourselves. And we need to get to the really deep questions of who are we? What why what do we believe? Purpose. What drives us? What are our motivations? And what situations make us feel bad? How do we function again with others? So all of this is critical. And it not only helps us as leaders, but it helps us as human beings as people because the more that we know and the more that we can discover about who we are and what drives us the more we can be effective in not only understanding the behavior of others but in being more effective and in happy being happy ourselves because we'll know what drives us and we have the confidence then to create what we want so we can make better choices so yeah it's really important and and I think also we can't keep changing others because we, ca- we cannot control what other people do, but what we can do is influence through our ability to be a role model. And we have to change ourselves. We have to face that challenge to grow. And the better you understand yourself, the better you are able to accept or develop who you really are. And, you know, there's a real risk. The risk really of not being aware is that you get caught up in your own internal struggles. You 
allow yourselves to be shaped by external circumstances and influences rather than through our own choices. And the new emerging style of leadership for managing change, especially now, post-COVID, is relationship-centred and based on being more knowledgeable about what drives human behaviour. And self-awareness leads to awareness of others, which then engenders empathy and compassion. So we're moving away from that authoritarian style of, you know, more dictatorial, more hierarchical driven to one of really getting to know people and understanding what drives ourselves because then we can help others determine what will drive them. So, yeah, and and just to, to finish on that, key transformational leadership is emotional intelligence and this is spoken a lot about and what that effectively means is knowing one's emotions is fundamental intelligence people who know their feelings and this comes from Daniel Goleman an author and an expert in this area that people who know their feelings are better pilots of their lives are better able to cope with life's challenges and can bounce back faster from any setback so that's the resilience we're looking for Individuals who are able to control their emotions are better able to handle relationships, deal with conflict, as we spoke about earlier on, provide the calmness to others and the composure that we need to help others thrive, which results then in a win-win solution and a resolution of issues. So absolutely essential Mm. for great leadership. And I think that's the problem with a lot of leaders that they get promoted into positions of power or authority without having those fundamental skills, having done the inner work to actually understand themselves, but sometimes not to have learnt the skills of leadership and what, how to show up and what's expected as a leader. There's a lot there to unpack. As to your last point, I, I think that's really true. People get promoted just because they're good at something which doesn't mean that they're really going to be good at leading or teaching other people to be good at something. You know, so, for example, and I might have talked about this at some point during this series, but, you know, when I had salespeople, a lot that were very successful would break records and all that. The push would be to move them into management. But the skills that are required to be a successful manager or leader are somewhat diametrically opposed to being a good salesperson. I used to tell the new sales managers, listen, success in sales is almost directly proportionate to the size of your ego. It's almost the opposite when you're a leader or a manager. Uh, You've got to be able to put your ego in the back seat. I think one thing that I would like to make crystal clear to the audience here, and I'll kick it back to you to do that, Gwen, is why do you feel exactly... You know, actually, maybe we do it this way. Give us an example of how not knowing yourself well would really damage you as a leader with other people. Because I, I don't, I, I want to sell the audience here on why it's important for you to know yourself and lead other people. Because they might be, they might say, "Well, listen, just because I've got this, you know, how does it? I mean, just because I don't know myself very well, or I'm not sure about this or that, how does it affect me with other people? Because I'm sure there's some people listening that aren't that aren't buying into that yet. All right. So one of the first, one of the, the key examples I can use is if you don't know why you get up in the morning, 
and you are doing the work that you're doing and you're going to work and you've got this project and you are working for an organisation, if you don't know what your purpose is and your meaning uh, for why you do what you do, which brings then your motivation, your enthusiasm, your passion, how are you then going to show any of your team members that they need to buy into that too, that they can be driven by the same thing, that they buy they believe what you believe. So that's a really important thing to help. In order to help others, you first have to understand um, why you do what you do in order to help. Another really key area that comes up often, and this has come through my own experience and working with teams at various organisational levels, is the way that you respond or react. Mm. And when you're under pressure... Um, we will tend automatically to default to our old patterns of Mm -hmm. behavior. Mm -hmm. And under stress, you might react, you might um, fly off the handle, get emotional, shout, you know, when you're under stress. And if you don't understand what it is that actually, what you react to, what triggers you so that you have done the work enough to be able to step back and take a breather and go for a walk and reassess where you are and have a gap between that stimulus and that response, you can do some serious damage. Mm. Okay. So it's about choosing, knowing when to respond and how to respond, Mm. even under highly stressful situations. I think think that's really key. I mean, and that was one of the first things we learned at military university was, uh, and, and something that I was actually good at, like I might lose my temper over losing my keys, yes. but if it was a real serious situation, I would be the calmest guy in the room. Yeah. And that's important for leaders. The worse it gets, the calmer you should get because your staff is looking to you. And if you're flying off the handle, carrying on, you might as well just pack it up. You're done. Absolutely. You know, so I, I, yeah. I really think that's an important point. And, you know, and just before we finish, you know, some of the questions you can ask is what do others say about you? And we to be an aware leader, we need to understand what other people think of us Mm. and where we need to change, where our opinions need to Mm. vary and what alternative perspectives we need to look Mm. at. Because it's really important that we know how we're seen. Mm. Uh, and how others view us. I, I think that's really key. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I think the way that, and I think this is true for everybody, whether you're a leader mm. or not, the way that you think you are versus how other people view you are often diametrically opposed. I read a study a few years ago about leaders and, you know, they asked the leaders, you know, how many of you are inspirational leaders? And I think it's, it was like 95% of them are like, yes, I'm John F. Kennedy incarnate or, or whatever, Martin Luther King reborn. And, you know, then their staff is like, I think 12 or 15% of them were like, yeah, he's motivational. The rest yeah. are like, no, every time I talk to him, I want to yeah. jump off a bridge. Absolutely. So, so, yeah. So, so it's it's you know questions like that. What past feedback have you had from other people, and how do you respond to you know stress? Do you fight, freeze? Do you run away? You know, and we all have you know set responses that we need to know about. And then, what are you working on? We, what are your vision? We, what what is your vision for the future? Where are you going? Mm. And and what are you becoming? Mm. You know. And that's a great place to take a break. We'll be right back after these messages from our sponsor. 
At Elders Insurance Adelaide East, our mission is to provide outstanding service and superior coverage to each and every one of our clients. With over 30 years of experience, we treat every client with mutual respect and understanding. We'll listen carefully to your specific needs and requirements in order to develop insurance solutions with a level of service and coverage you can't find anywhere else. Elders Insurance Adelaide East is a family-owned and run business with a Italian tradition which is built on honesty, integrity and trust. Make an appointment today and go and see Tony and the team at Elders Insurance Adelaide East, 54 to 56 Kensington Road, Rose Park or telephone 8364 9477. We're an authorised representative of Elders Insurance, underwriting agency, proprietary limited, Elders Insurance, underwritten by QBE Insurance, Australia Limited. Did you know that Podcast City can record your podcast right here in the studios of Radio Italia Uno on our professional recording equipment? Podcast City can also come to your location with our mobile studio. We can record just your audio or work with you to plan, record, edit, and distribute your podcast to your audience. If you would like to find out more and receive a free podcast startup checklist or book a time to record your podcast, call Radio Italia Uno on 8212317 or go to podcastcity.com.au. Podcast City, podcasting the easy way. Hello, I'm Peter Salerno. Please join me on Happy Business Radio every Monday, 2 to 3 p.m. on Radio Italia Uno. We have lots of fun with very interesting guests. We talk about how to start, build and increase your business. Happy Business Radio on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Vuoi promuovere la tua attività? Vuoi aumentare il tuo volume di affari? Non sai a chi rivolgerti? Chiama Radio Italia 1. Il nostro staff commerciale è a disposizione per ogni informazione o preventivo personalizzato. Chiama all'82 123177. Radio Italia 1. E anche tu sarai un numero 1. Radio Italia 1. You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Hello and welcome back to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. In the few minutes we have left, I want to talk about the fact that the next session we have is going to be a wrap-up of the previous six sessions here that we've done on leadership. And we're also going to discuss what constitutes inspirational leadership, which will include aspects like charisma and influence. I want to thank Ron Fiedler from Podcast City uh, for helping us with this show today. And, of course, Gwen Meyer, our NeuroChange Master Trainer and Leadership Guru. I want to thank all of you for listening And remember that both Gwen and I are coaches, so if you need help in business or personally, you can contact Gwen on her website, which is incrementalsteps.biz, incrementalsteps.biz, or you can contact me through the Radio Italia Uno Facebook page or also our show webpage, which is Change the World with Matt McQuinley. Change the World with Matt McQuinley, M-C-Q-U-I-N-L-E-Y. And as always, I will leave you with a motivational, inspirational message. Hi, this is Matt McQuinley. 
We usually discuss inspiration and motivation that we learn from other people. But today, I'm going to try to do something a little bit different. I was reading to my three-year-old son the other night, like I do most nights. And this time, it was a book about animals from around the world. And it made me think about what we can learn from the animal kingdom. The first animal I want to talk about are fleas. How do you train fleas? I don't know if you're aware of this, but flea circuses used to be a big deal back in the days of wooden ships and iron men. And the way they train fleas is they put them in a little jar, they put it or a container of some sort, they put a lid on the container and the flea jumps up and goes, bam, and hits his head on the top and goes, ow. And then he falls back down, then he jumps back up and goes, ow, and hits his head again. Then he jumps back up, bam, hits his head and goes, ow. And then after a while, the flea learns, don't jump that high or you're, they're gonna bang their head. So they stop jumping that high. And eventually you can take the, the lid off the jar and the fleas will not jump out of the jar. It's the same way they train elephants. Elephants are obviously a lot smarter and one of the smartest animals in the animal kingdom. What they do is when the elephant is a small baby, they take a huge, huge, huge thick chain. They put it around the elephant's leg. They sink a huge stake into the ground and they connect the other end of the chain to that big stake or trunk or whatever. Uh, and then the baby elephant man, he does not like being tied up. He'll pull and pull and pull and pull on that chain, but he can't break it. He'll pull for weeks and months. And eventually one day he just kind of realizes he can't do it. And he might pull once, uh, you know, one, he or she might pull once in a while, a little bit here and a little bit there, but you can tell their heart's not into it. When that happens, then the trainer will take a little bit thinner chain and will put it on the stake that's stunk into the ground and the elephant. And they'll still try to pull it once in a while, but they don't try too hard. This goes on for a period of months and years. And eventually the elephant gets to the point where a little skinny girl in a bikini in the circus is holding a small uh, rope and the elephant is running around her in a circle because they think they can't break that rope, which of course they could send that woman flying all the way across the circus tent if they wanted to, but they don't believe they can. We do that ourselves. We do this in relationships. We do this in our businesses. And we do this with our goals where we think, man, I can't do that. I tried and tried and tried. I can't do it. And we just give up instead of trying a different way. So the first thing we learn from the animal kingdom is don't be a flea. Second thing I want to talk about is I was thinking about was crabs. Most fishermen know that if you put one crab into a pot or a bucket, it will escape. But if you put two into a bucket, you don't even need to put a lid on it because they will both fight to get out and will be knocking each other down. They don't cooperate. They never cooperate. And one will actually pull the other one down. And it's just like your mama said, don't be crabby. You've got to focus on working together with other people and you've got to focus on doing what's best for the team. And eventually it will be best what's for you. And the last animal that I was thinking about was the wildebeest. Wildebeest are huge antelope-like creatures in Africa. And they've become, for some reason, lions have figured out that they want to prey on wildebeest because for some strange reason, wildebeest have evolved in such a way. They will, they will fight and kick and struggle and run until a lion grabs them by the throat. And for some strange reason, they immediately stop fighting when they're grabbed by the throat. 
They'll charge a lion if they're not grabbed by the throat. They'll run from a lion if they see one. But once they're grabbed by the throat, they will stop. The lion doesn't even rip their throat out. It suffocates them, which takes a couple minutes. And during this process, the wildebeest will not fight. And being a predator is a tough job, man, because if you get hurt, you can't hunt anymore and you're done. So that's why lions like wildebeest, because when things get the toughest near the end, what do they do? They just give up. So what do we learn from wildebeest? Don't be one. And what have we learned from this? Well, as always, we know there are two kinds of people listening to this message right now. There are the kind of people like fleas who think, They couldn't do it before. I guess I shouldn't try again. Even if I try a different way, I won't be successful. They're the kind of people that like like the crabs that let other people drag them down. And then there are wildebeest who give up when things are the toughest. And then there are the kind of people who say, I'm not going to give up just because it didn't work last time. Maybe I could try a different way, or at least I'm going to try again. The kind of people that don't let other people drag them down. The kind of people that work with others to succeed. And the kind of people that will fight until the end. The question is, which one are you?